0: Not the last election, but the one before it, and also Brexit, was (laughs) mildly surprising or slash not surprising at all to me because I have to meet the public so often and in so many odd places. Like on Friday, I'm going to Matlock. Wait, what's that? (laughs) Matlock is a town in northern Derbyshire. So a lot of the gigs Mm. I do are just in towns that exist for whatever reason in bits of England that I... Identicate
1: suburban towns.
0: Yeah, a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. um, um, Oh God, Didcot. Fuck me,
1: Didcot. But that's the thing that that, you were saying about how like culturally, you know, Britain is kind of uh, idiosyncratic something. Mm. everywhere every suburban town is the same everyone, yeah. everyone looks the same all built by Taylor Wimpy the same shops the same nightclub dreadful nightclubs. you ever played in a nightclub
0: before oh mate <laughs> oh yeah back when Pierre yeah, was in, a techno in, DJ in, in, in Watford oh. it's that thing of like um, the thing with Didcot that was particularly weird was that you know how normally you see like all these like endless um, those houses with the kind of red roofs yeah, yeah. kind of generic middle mm. England suburban sprawl and you go, oh, okay. And I'd sort of come to the train station and kind of walk to the gig, which was in a sort of art center, and it's all the sprawl. Mm. And I was like, oh, and you had the big suburban sprawl because everyone needs to live here to work at the, oh, there's <laughs> <was just> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like a suburb to a city that had been teleported away. It's like, but what the fuck are the yeah. they? Because they work in, where? Birmingham, or, I guess. Darbush, uh,
1: Nottingham. Nottingham, Birmingham. About, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. It's, a, it's, a,
0: it's a commuter town. Yeah. The art centre was interesting because I was talking to the guys at the art yeah. centre because it was like the prices were low, but they were still selling quite shishi things. And there was, and I said, "What? What the? Because I always try and get a warning before the gig, like what the kind of, what's your kind of customer base? You know, what, who comes to this? Hmm. And they said it was quite difficult actually in Didcot because actual Didcot is very poor, and so we can't price things too high because it's a community, that like council-funded arts thing, and also we want customers. But also, all the villages around Didcot are very fancy, and people want wasabi peas. (laughs) So we have Uh to come to this kind of mushy compromise that pleases no a one mushy peas yeah exactly mushy wasabi <laughs> mushy wasabi peas. <laughs> peas yeah exactly and then, so it was like that's why I was like well these tickets were very cheap but also there are wasabi peas for like £5.50 so who the fuck is this for <laughs> and the answer was for everyone
2: but no one in the middle people, people who find expense comforting like well, this night out is fine but I've not spent enough money What's yeah you? yeah
0: but also it's like it's for people who made so much money in white collar jobs that they can live that kind of nice village kind of Midsummer Murders lifestyle well, to also like the, the deprived people who have to grow up next to the fucking do you Dick think, do you think train the station. house prizes in Midsummer were affected by that I think <laughs> like that for a, a certain hood. category of person they went up uh, probably yeah <laughs> finally <laughs> a town where my love of murder can I imagine be fully all, indulged all the, all the people on that <laughs> very valuable to the right
3: market hey guys now that we're just having this, like, normal, chill conversation around a table, what if we, like, picked up some microphones and did a podcast?
0: We are already Oh, wait a minute. Wait a second. I've been tricked I mean, again. It's,
3: <laughs> it's almost as though this would be Trash Future, the podcast mm. about how the future is trash, hosted by me. I a better
2: life and a job. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now I'm just on this podcast. <laughs> hosted by me, Riley, who can be found on Twitter at double R-A-A-L-E-H, and... Uh, me, Milo Edwards,
2: you can find me on Twitter at Milo Edwards, or on Instagram at the same.
3: And sitting in for Charlie Palmer is our good friend Pierre Novelli.
0: Pierre Novelli, at, at, uh, at Pierre Novelli, N-O-V-E-double-L-I-E. Yeah, you get a lot of wrong mail. I love bringing this up every time you're on Peter Novels. I learned the phonetic alphabet purely to have my name spelled correctly over the phone more often. You know, mm. I, I just off to the heart. Papa, for a long- India, Echo, Romeo, Romeo, Echo, November, Oscar, Victory, Echo, Lima, Lima, India, Echo. The
2: trouble with the phonetic alphabet is even if you know it's most other people don't. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> that's true. And people are like Who's what a that? long
0: quadruple barreled name. <laughs> and
3: who and who is our guest today? But a certain
1: Matt Zarb cousin. How's it going? I also have to spell my name out on the phone. Yeah. I, I would love to uh, a name like Jones or something. You just everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. i yeah. Smith. Yeah. yeah. There you go, yeah, Smith.
0: Yeah, yeah. John Smith. Oh, yeah. I get asked if my name's a stage name a lot. (laughs) Like, I'd pick a name like this to help my career. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> rather than just being called Alan Jokes
3: Alan Jokes would really Jokes probably be a good, good comedian name I think so <laughs> <Yeah>. John Comedy <laughs> Please, welcome to the stage uh, my name is Ru- go, oh this guy would be good <laughs> my name is my name is William Standoop. it's Swedish
2: <laughs> well to bring it to bring in a fun and relatable Oxbridge anecdote uh, oh yes uh, oh, I, remember, I so, love these fun and relatable Oxbridge <laughs> anecdotes so you were in your final year when I was in my first year and uh, I just uh, started doing stand-up and yes. people are like oh you should go and see this guy Pierre Novelli he's yeah. really good at stand-up and so I and so I hail the name Pierre Novelli and I have this sort of image in my head of this kind of like <laughs> gracile European kind of like <laughs> galois smoking yeah, you know relouche, uh, yeah um, detached kind and then of. I encountered well I mean for the benefit of the listener sort of like a man who's generally agreed to look like a viking <laughs> <laughs> a man who says things yeah. like we need eight stout men <laughs> <laughs> I need oh, oak for my ships I will add <laughs>
4: That
3: we haven't <laughs> the yet, sea will stop. We haven't yet spoken about this, but before we jump to the main content of the show, I do want to add that after we did, uh, we hung out in Edinburgh
0: and did our yes. episode in
3: Edinburgh, yes. Milo and I, for a few days later, were just
0: doing Pierre voice. Yes. Uh, this is becoming more and more of a thing.
3: Which is, uh, oh, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, com- coming up to the pub saying... <laughs> I need, I need some stout ales for some stout men. We, sa- <laughs> we sail for Newfoundland on the morrow.
2: <laughs> Your Pierre voice sounds more like just like British Army Fence. colonel from the 1950s organizing the killing of the Mormor. I, <laughs> like this kind I of... want
0: a more colonial twang to this impression. There has <laughs> been nothing I
3: want. in the yeah. history
2: of my participation in this
3: podcast that has suggested that I do good accents.
0: <laughs> that is very true.
2: <laughs> you so, can't even do a Canadian accent and that's where you're from. That's guys. Right. <laughs> Guys, we are,
3: I think, particularly blessed to have Matt Zarb with us today. To, uh, Matt Zarb, cousin at Matt Zarb,
2: feeling hashtag blessed today. Mm-hmm. Feeling very hashtag prayer blessed. Hands emoji. Nice
1: to be here.
2: Which is apparently actually a high five emoji. That's it. what? I know. What is? God, the, apparently this pra- you know that prayer hands emoji oh, is was actually intended eyes? to be a high five emoji. That makes sense. The death of the author, that, even <laughs> in emojis. <laughs> <laughs> it's the
0: dapper laughs of emojis. That makes right? <laughs> that makes sense though, given that it's from Japan, though, right? they don't pray like that. How do they pray? In The Shinto religion. I think you put you put your head forehead on the floor in front oh, yeah, of a it's shrine.
3: In, it's in a, a triangular. You put your head in a triangular. Um, That's what shape I do you in hands. the morning. Just like oh, I hate God. that this is primarily
1: <laughs> on. What did emoji come from Japan?
0: Yeah, well, yes. the ones we use now did, yeah. Yeah, it's all invented. Like in like call good anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you know. There's that weird like goblin mask one. Yeah. Mm. I I can't remember. That's what it an oni, bitch. That's, that's a it's, <laughs> an, it's a thing in Japan. So when they sorry, look at I that should, and go, "Oh, we know what that is," whereas I we should, go, "Goblin mask." I one. should clarify. Why is there
2: a used panties emoji? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> strange. I should, I should, <laughs> this tentacle emoji is very disturbing. I sh, I sh, well, there's, yeah, a weird emoji. But I
3: should clarify: when I was like a teenager, I was like fat and really into anime. We. Do you, did you own a fedora? Nice. That's perfect. I was considering how, buying one. How mm. into anime? Um, I used I, to purchase on eBay uh, all of the seasons of like Neon Genesis Evangelion. I was hoping oh it was going to be a body pillow. Yeah, you
0: liked it a lot. I, I,
3: I have, I, and you know, to Holy be honest.
0: shit. So
3: <laughs> guys, I, I've picked out two things for us to talk about today. Yeah. Um, okay. The first is a dumb product, as is Trash Future Tradition. The second is uh, we are going to be talking to Matt about like the single worst product that has ever been created by late stage capitalism, uh-huh. which is uh, fixed odds betting terminals or FOBTs. Essentially, to give a preview, electronic ways to just give away money to uh, large companies.
0: Yeah. Oh. So the so that was Amazon. We <laughs> discussed this a bit earlier. Am I correct in saying that it's like video blackjack? video relaxed yeah,
1: that's right yeah in betting shops
0: right yeah. and it's like a sort of it it's like an arcade it looks terminal. like one
1: yeah but it's like touch screen mm-hmm. machine interface and you can I've, put notes in and
0: cuz i've seen one in a casino where it had like a kind of simulacrum of a dealer as well like a projection of like a real person that's so weird it was, yeah it was really it was very eerie it was it was it was like the gambling version of um those horrible fucking st- 2d robot women in train stations Mm. who go watch out for the escalator (laughs) 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 and you trip on the escalator because you've just seen a horrifying robot
3: (laughs) (laughs) and that's distracted you you. you fall into the uncanny valley and break your ankle
0: (laughs) exactly but before
3: we get into that Mm. i found a product guys that is one of the dumber ones we've ever talked about i'm aware i say this on every show okay yeah it's called the euclid i want to know what you guys think that might be there's a big, uh, g- Greek philosopher but and just, just to clarify, yeah. um, shouts out to Hussein Kesvani, who sent this in to me as a dumb product of the week. Oh, you, right. just
2: like, you just like reminding people that you know Hussein Kesvani. That's
3: Shut up. What if Hussein Kesvani unfollows me? God. <laughs> God right. What if he thinks I'm too keen? <laughs> yeah. But
0: guys. The, the Euclid. The Euclid. Well, yeah, like you say it. So yeah, Greek philosopher and mathematician, mm-hmm. Euclidean mm-hmm. geometry. Yeah. Big on angles See, and shit like he likes that. Liked angles, yeah,
2: but didn't like Saxons. Famously,
3: didn't That's care true. for them. <laughs> Medium on Jutes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and anyone got any actual ideas on Euclid? Given Euclid. it's unlikely that late stage capitalism invented a Greek mathematician.
2: I can imagine late mm. late stage capitalism reinventing geometry, <laughs> like. Guys, what if what if Uber, but right angles? <laughs> <laughs> Geometry disrupted. The Euclid. The Euclid. I'm going to give you guys a
3: hint. We're tech nerds with a passion for cooking. <laughs> and we've created a oh,
0: better fuck. blank. Aha. It's an object mm-hmm. made from okay, some kind not, of... It's, it's not a person. Good right. so far. <laughs> and it's made of some kind of nominally novel material. Uh-huh. Like, it's been around for a while, but actually, it's like... It, it, like maybe Why not try asbestos again? Yeah, <laughs> see what it does now. God, I would love to see an asbestos
3: advertising campaign maybe for you to decide. It. What, what's what's mm. it called again? Uh, it's called the Euclid, and uh, it's, we're tech nerds with a passion for cooking, and we created a better a better blank. Euclid's patented shape delivers a level of accuracy that no traditional blank can match. Is it a lid? Is it a kind
2: of lid? That'd be amazing. <laughs> a
0: level of, a level of it's accuracy. It's a really geometric
3: haircut. Mm-hmm. A it's it's, it's, it's a lid that you put on a pot. You hit a button and just... <laughs> that would be cool, yeah, but no, that's not what it is. That's not it, what it is. I'm going to go ahead and just say what it is now. Yeah, please. Because I, I love when this happens. Um, my favorite thing is when Silicon Valley or the innovation economy, which mm. is dumb, um, uses its... Aesthetic and language to invent something that already exists and doesn't need to be reinvented. The there's not enough
2: one. stuff to make money out of. We need to invent notional things.
0: Yeah. What We're is tech
3: nerds it? with a passion for cooking, and we created a better
0: measuring cup. Oh, wow. Oh, right. Because <laughs> the main thing about recipes is that they're so bang on, they're like perfect mm-hmm. equations, and there's no art mm-hmm. to being a chef at all. No, of course. No. Yeah. no. But,
1: but how does it measure better? <laughs> I'm intrigued. Tell me.
2: Yeah.
3: I
1: mean, that's the thing. Oh. I'll promise you this. I have
3: been reading this thing's Kickstarter for most of the afternoon,
2: because the real limiting I'm not factor. Not
3: clear on that.
2: <laughs> as far as I can tell, I mean, I'm not. I'm not an expert, but the real limiting factor in measuring cups. To be fair, none
3: of us are an expert on anything.
2: Isn't no. Is not so much you know like the accuracy of the measuring cup itself, mm-hmm. but like the human eye. I feel mm-hmm. is that you, you can I, pretty much print a line pretty accurately on a measuring cup where where you have to fill it to, but like. Mm-hmm.
0: Who's who's like you know? Well, I guess you could argue that like if you whipped up eggs in a measuring cup, when Mm. you pour it, Mm -hmm. often there is a residue of egg that is unpourable, and therefore you've lost a micrometer (laughs) of fucking egg, (laughs) and that's going to fuck up the whole birthday cake.
2: Unpourable egg.
0: Yeah. At last, (laughs) a new Ah, product.
1: Is it? Is it? Is it that it's
3: non-stick? Well, no. What it is is just that it is. uh, It's a bit of a funny shape. Yeah. And Mm. then uh, it has funny shape. Same gradients. So the weights and measures haven't changed. Okay, um,
2: we're still consistent. Oh, I was hoping sense. it measures your, your flour in like cubits, three, <laughs> three Euclids of flour. Yeah, one, one, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's great. It's on scale.
2: Eight yes. stout <laughs> men of
1: barley.
3: Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's just it's vaguely wide at the top and narrow at the bottom. Okay, um, and so that's all piece. it is. It's a um, it's a slightly conical measuring cup, but. If you want to know, the, uh, the tech press is absolutely cumming themselves for it. <laughs> why?
0: They must say why. Because the guy used to They've work at Google. they
3: your tight pajama bottoms. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yet more references to the previous show of but, the pajama bottoms that routinely made me cum. You know what, listeners, you yeah. might not like this show, but objectively, you'd enjoy it more if you listened to every show <laughs> attentively. You'd like this show more if you like the show enough.
3: Yeah. Before we were So recording. think on that before <laughs> you complain. Yeah. Before we were recording, Matt and I had such a good, smart conversation, and <laughs> now I'm yeah, talking about my old sweatpants that made me cum. It's all about, fuck. fuck. <laughs>
2: and you could have
0: measured how much more accurately. I need, I need <laughs> well, to well, check if I played. need to
2: feel bad. Did, did Riley give you the idea that this was a smart podcast before you came <laughs> on? <laughs> okay, oh, we'll no, no, no. We'll find this. That's, right. good. that's <laughs> good. That's okay. It was very clear that this was really stupid.
0: But, so, but <laughs> yeah. so what are the tech nerds saying is good about it? Because there must be a quality that is being talked about at some point here, right? There can't are just that, be nothing.
1: Are they playing on the, this kind of uh, perception that millennials love brands and they want to get the right <laughs> measuring cup. That's the one you need. I'm gonna
3: get that one. <laughs> yeah. We're all gonna get the Euclid. We're actually yeah. gonna
1: have that. We're gonna have the disruptive measuring
3: cup.
2: Oh but it only but it only measures like ingredients that you buy in special bags no, it, from oh. the, the yeah. company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it only measures juicero. But, but they, they but they, they a, they're not measured. all they're not pre measured in the bags. They come in random quantities. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 no because as we were <laughs> talking about earlier <laughs> yeah. in but order
2: he, to purely give the Euclid something you just, to do. you order just some
0: flour and then a truck turns up at your door and you're like, oh good God. The sma- the smartest thing to do would be to be selling the Euclid passively and mm. actively and aggressively getting every single recipe book publisher to change all of their measurements to Euclids. Because <laughs> be then good. guess who has to buy Euclids now? But I you realize that's good.
3: actually how yeah. like a small number of companies seize control of the railroads
0: in the West, right? I thought it was Chinese slaves. Well, that too. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so right. a combination of those combination two things. A combination of a couple all of right. things.
3: But it, it, it was actually like the pri- private lobbying on public bodies to enforce particular standards that would make it impossible to oh, compete. Like
0: railway gauges and yeah, stuff, precisely, right? Yeah. Yes, 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 okay, yeah. Which but, also
3: but, is why the
2: Schlieffen plan didn't work, which means that I'm at least ambivalent about it. I thought the Schlieffen plan didn't work because the Germans just liked Paris too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was, they were
2: like, well, no, this, we're just going straight, Let's Just keep going straight. It's like, no, the plan was to then go left. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck the plan, I like straight. <laughs> That was the plan of the US
3: Democrats in 2016, mm. but uh-uh, I guess they didn't do it enough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I saw this great thing. There was like this amazing like subtweet that I saw where it was someone saying like, uh, gu- uh, girls, like beware of any men who criticize Hillary Clinton, because whatever they say about Hillary sooner or later, they'll be saying it about you. It's like, yeah, I'm always asking my girlfriend why she didn't campaign more aggressively in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say, we haven't really
3: talked about what issue the Euclid claims to resolve. Yes. Um, which is that normal measuring cups, ordinary measuring cups, just any cup with some lines on it, uh, you will mis- mismeasure a tiny microscopic amount that won't change your dish. Um, Redstone's Cup mm. Euclid unless, resolves unless this. Unless your
2: dish is explosives. <laughs> <That's
4: right.
3: laughs> Redstone's Cup Euclid resolves this, Riley editorializing, non Riley editorializing done mm. issue with traditional measuring cups it says the smaller the amount the harder it is to measure accurately but that's the same with
0: the oh whole I see so because it tapers down mm. it scales such that a milliliter of something is clearly visible but well oh, no but hang on wait a minute something we haven't talked about yet we have to remember that in America if you've ever looked up an american recipe everything's measured in fucking cups and fluid ounces <laughs> yeah but also it's like add 3 cups of flour you know who's fucking cup just tell grams we all so this in fairness in America they definitely need a better way of measuring things than a cup they've imagined there's actually there's an
2: amazing I take it
0: back I'm buying a Euclid if There's I'm an amazing American. story
2: about this which is that it was some point in the mid2000s NASA was sending a probe to one of the planets and but the <laughs> what they of those, outsourced what, what are those they, planets They outsourced all of the maths for the trajectory to the European Space Agency who did it all in SI units oh, yeah. but apparently NASA'd do everything in fucking feet and inches.
0: You are shitting me. <laughs>
2: Apparently not. NASA. Never heard of and this. they had to and they had to convert <laughs> all of the trajectory data from the European Space Agency to feet and inches. Yeah. Someone fucked it and, and it, it and it like and it oh missed God. the planet and crashed into an asteroid and destroyed like a billion dollar probe. Guys, if only, due to I mean, imperial yeah. measurements, well, if only
3: that. if only they'd had a Euclid, a normal again, a normal measuring cup that purports to solve a non problem.
1: How much is it retailing for?
3: <laughs> well, you can't get it yet what it's, units do you want that in? <laughs> 24 wampum um no just, just 13 get, guineas <laughs> just to get one uh no you can't sell italians God. to get what? guineas is slang for
0: it's a slur for italians is it it's a yes. very niche one that's yeah what fucking racist america used to be <laughs> is like you're the wrong kind of definitely white but that's what i mean they like they, ah. they loved
2: they loved racism so much they ran out of actually different races to be racist to and like yeah. fuck we're going to have to subdivide the white people. Good I enough. cannot wait until liberals finally
3: compromise with like the chud right enough that phrenology is finally welcomed back
2: as a stem subject. What's if- the chud right? The right. <laughs> Just the right. <laughs> okay. Chad sounds like a byproduct of some sort of agricultural process, doesn't
0: it? Chad of like is the it. byproduct of, of crafting vegan mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another reference to last week's pod. <laughs> you got it. Let's this just do a director's a cut of last yeah. week.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we're going to do a lot of comments on last week's uh, peek behind which the Which to us is like the hour ago's pod. Which, like, mana, mana, time mana, is relative. Mana, mana. So, anyway. Um, hmm that's the euclid it's 24 dollars for a measuring cup but it purports to solve a non-problem who wants to invest huh you can measure
2: the kool-aid before you drink it that's uh...
0: oh my goodness
2: (laughs) fuck you jonestown (laughs) and uh and on that hot take i think it's time a successful
3: (laughs) startup i think it's time to take a quick break and then we're going to get into something actually like smart which is unusual for us but becoming more frequent see you in a sec everyone That's like what if a Mister
0: Kipling came with like blackface? Oh <laughs> God! What well, you mean when they had gollywogs like on the jam? <laughs> when they had gollywogs on, on the size. jam, like t- 15 years ago, even God, still. God, that was troubling. Twenty me years ago? <laughs> <laughs> when did they get rid of gollywogs on jam? I can't remember that ever being. I mean, that I, know was that, I know it was yeah. the case, but I, it, not in my lifetime. I mean, I, it was definitely on the jam. No, that was I'm a real. That was a real thing. Yeah, there was a real <laughs> thing. I'm gonna look this up now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's all guess when uh, Robertson's, the guys who make jam, officially retired their collie walk. I reckon it's 87. 87? Any more bids? You said not in your lifetime. <laughs> the same year that Magdalen College Oxford led in women. <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> so they, what? Like? They
2: were like, they, it was like a conference call between the Dons of Magdalen College Oxford and Robertson's jam. It's like, well, we the Milo. last two remaining bastions of the really unacceptable. <laughs> Milo, Milo. We'll do it if you do. Milo,
3: you're getting patriarchy wrong. Oriel was the last Oxford College who led in women. And it did it in 94. Really? Yeah.
0: I it was oh, my modeling. God. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so, 87. But, hey, all lives matter. When did St. Hilda's let in men, huh? Uh,
0: Gollywog off jam, when? I'm going to say 92. 92, 87, 92.
2: I'm going to say
3: 1980. 1980. 2002.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Yes, Post 9-11. Yes, mate. That was a post. They, they
2: listened when- to Craig David's "Born to Do It," and they were like, "You know yeah. what? Maybe these black chappies aren't so bad." When that production a-
0: stopped in 2001, over 20 million gullies had been sent out as part of their, I don't know, sending out people. Sending people gollywogs for marketing <laughs> purposes.
2: Why does a jam company need racism? Well, you know you know what the weird thing about that is. It's obviously it's unacceptable, but you can kind of see how it happens in the sense that like, right, in a really racist time in the late 19th century, they put the gollywog on the jam, right? And then mm. after a while, it just becomes way more associated with the jam than it does with anything else. And so people almost don't notice it. They're like, well, that's just the jam logo. You know, they're not really thinking like, this is a racist depiction of a black uh-huh. person. They're just thinking like, yeah. this is how jam looks. <laughs> They've yeah. not really questioned
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a silly cartoon man on the jam. He's yeah. so probably a coal miner or something. You're
1: bright red lips I don't know. but the only way you could really change that is if if someone came into the job and said actually I've reviewed this and we probably mm. should take it off. I mean you can't be in the job <laughs> years pass and go I think we should get rid of this now.
0: Yeah. Why didn't you say it before? You're too heavily yeah. invested into it's the world so, yeah. of gollywogs. Yeah.
1: I think it was
3: everyone was waiting for someone else to say it first. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what, like there was like two decades oh, of like and uh, these jars will have the gullywood go- uh, on, will they? Okay, uh, yes, uh, yeah. Joe, gosh, yeah. Gosh. yeah, they were trying to judge if each other would be angry if they said no. Yeah. Do you think they should? I think they- I, 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 I'm of no I opinion, mean, but if you think they should, we can. Well, I'm of well, no opinion. I didn't okay, say well. that. I... That's basically what happened
2: in the Politburo after Stalin. Everyone <laughs> was like, well, of course, I always thought it was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have been running on this weird straight
3: of Trash Future podcasts where we've had people who are actually knowledgeable or smart or coherent uh, come on. Um, and today, one of the reasons we brought uh, Matt zarb on was to talk about what I think is probably, and you, you, you all may agree with me, the most hideous and extractive version of late-stage capitalism, which is fixed-odds betting terminals or FOTBs. Thought bees. Thought
2: bees? <laughs> Fob-teas. fob They certainly have the yeah. most terrible acronym.
1: <laughs> it's, it's dreadful, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I, I'm loath to confidently claim they're the worst extractive thing of late-stage capitalism because I really back them to come up with something worse. <laughs> but I mean, they're definitely bad. I
1: mean, that... <laughs> so, you, so I just want to explain quickly what yeah, they are, maybe. Yeah, Matt, if you can tell me like,
3: what these things are.
1: Yes. So uh, betting shops mm-hmm. uh, have existed for, for many decades. Yes. And betting shops are for taking bets. So a bet is a, a wager on an event that takes place outside of the premises you're putting the bet on. Is this like a legal definition? Yes. Okay, cool. So mm-hmm. if it's a football match mm-hmm. or uh, a race or a sports event, you are putting a wager on something that's taking place outside the premises. Okay. So okay. that's where betting is different to gaming. Gaming is a wager on an event that takes place within the premises. I had like no a, idea of this. Like a casino game right okay so like yeah, roulette right. you're in this inner casino the wager the event mm-hmm. takes place there right
0: so and and uh, if you're in a like an actual casino as opposed to a betting shop would gaming cover poker uh whereas poke, poker is its own what, thing. player
1: versus player poker that's uh-huh. a diff, that's a separate, that's its own thing yeah. okay. okay
0: yes um that's a real sport
1: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have ripped abs so the, men so, who in- so, so the bookies weren't allowed gaming so what they did was they come up with a machine Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to get roulette in the, in the betting shops because roulette's mm-hmm. a highly addictive mm-hmm. game. And they said, well, actually, the server that determines the result of each bet is outside the premises. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, So therefore, what? when you press bet on the machine, it's, actu- it's actually, it's not gaming, it's betting because the server is outside the premises. Uh- and that's how they exploited a loophole in the law. And then that was in 2001 where they, they put roulette on the machines. Mm-hmm. And... They were technically illegal at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the new Labour government being the I was going to say corporate saps that they are. Say, surely
3: no centre-left government <laughs> would allow this to come about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, at, at the t- When they first brought in, it was unlimited stakes. They could bet as much as you wanted every 20 seconds on these machines. And then the and Labour government came in and they said, well, you can have them, but we'll cap the stake at £100. That's a nice quite Oh, <laughs> sensible. We'll uh, cap the
3: stake at, like, you
1: know... Uh, your a reasonable week? lunch.
3: We'll, ha- we'll cap this stake at what we consider to be a reasonable lunch or your entire week's benefit take.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, £100 every 20 seconds, mm-hmm. allowed four of them per shop. That's what they said. Okay. And then, of course, what they, what they do now is they open as many shops as they can to get as many of these machines in, because they generate in London, each machine generates £1,500 a week profit. So in one shop... Profit. Yes, in one shop they're generating £6,000 profit just from the machines. Yeah. And they t- and they've turned into effectively turned into like digital casinos. We we, we had we had traditionally tried to keep mm. casino games uh-huh. in casinos and because we're not, you know, prohibitionists, but we want to restrict access to what is a harmful product, right? Of course. So so yeah. therefore the idea that it's on every high street uh-huh. and there's 35,000 of these machines is a bit of disaster. No. My my no.
3: job used to take me to like towns like Alderley Edge, like I've lived in Oxford and stuff. Like there aren't a lot of Gaming shops or betting
1: shops. If, if you split the local authority areas into quartiles um, by sort of most deprived to mm-hmm. least deprived, then there are twice as many in the most deprived areas compared to the least deprived. So mm. they they do target the mm. most deprived areas, and that's because poor, poorer people, you know, if you've got five pounds to last you the week, yeah. it does make eminent sense to gamble it. Yeah, you know, and that, and then you get into more mm. trouble, more debt. There's yeah. pawnbrokers next door. So it's causing huge amount of social problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the main thing is like how technology, in gambling especially, mm-hmm. I mean probably everywhere, but definitely in gambling, is making it worse for the consumer. Mm-hmm. So like all it, all it does, technology, is m- speed up the process of losing money mm-hmm. and make the product more addictive. And there's actually a, a lab that William Hill sponsor in yeah. Shoreditch. Okay, uh, in Shoreditch? Yeah. Where they're God, that is so fucked up, just a stone to <laughs> throw away. The, the
3: shortage is supposed to be <laughs> this like new, young, interesting, vibrant. I mean, it's not, but it's supposed to be this. It's,
1: a, it, it's the yet, Silicon Valley of yeah, yeah. It was supposed it, to be, but
3: and yet the Silicon like, Silicon Roundabout, whatever we call it. Yeah. It's fucking containing the William Hill Poverty Exacerbation Laboratory. Which, 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 this is different. my laboratory <laughs> and,
1: and so, some of the things that they come up with is I don't know if you've ever watched Black Mirror but it reminds yeah, yeah. you know it wouldn't look out of place in that like where you you have this kind of um, virtual reality headset mm-hmm. and you can it's like you're walking around a casino and there's like you know half naked women and stuff mm-hmm. and like just create this immersive environment where you completely lose yourself and lose, lose touch with reality at which point you're more vulnerable to losing more money so of uh, it's the whole immersive nature there's even one actually where you can bet on a horse because they have this thing called virtual racing now. Wait, what? Yeah, where you go in the betting. Because usually
3: shopping. the 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 FOBT game would be something like roulette, something where they can say, okay, yeah, well, yeah. there's there's a 51 percent chance you'll lose, and then we'll pay out, you know, et cetera, et cetera So we can predict
1: that we'll just make this mm. much money. But d- virtual racing, yeah. So you can, it's, it's you don't you can't just bet on. Well, you can you can bet mm. on live racing, which is like every 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm or you can bet on uh, virtual racing, which is like a graphic simulation of a race where you can bet on... And what they're trying to do now is... Mm-hmm. Vegan racing. Give, <laughs> vegan racing. Uh, give people headsets so they can like be sort of first person, the jockey of the virtual race that they've bet on. What? Yeah. This is the stuff
2: they're developing now. It's All like, right. All right. So, you're essentially playing like a, a, a really expensive virtual reality horse racing game in which you have very minimal control over <laughs> it. <laughs> so, they're,
0: they're just, yeah. They're God, I love they're, the future. They're, <laughs> so, they're trying to like gamify a game. Yes. Their the whole thing,
1: the whole like culture is. Um, corporate culture is, mm-hmm. to, is it, this isn't betting it's not gambling it's gaming and yeah, they're trying to yeah. blur the lines between that's where you get the social games mm-hmm. and it transitions into gambling okay. they're trying to blur those lines so make the They think if they make the experience of betting more interactive mm-hmm. or more immersive yeah. then people will enjoy it more but actually what will happen is they'll just probably lose more money which is so, what they want yeah well
2: i mean maybe they will enjoy it more but that's why they'll end <laughs> up losing more yeah, money correct. right that's so, yeah
1: it's Matt, just before
3: we go further i think some listeners may be wondering um, why Matt Zarb-Cousin, famous labor strategist and coiner of such terms as melt, slug, and centrist dad, um, is talking about FOBTs. What's your experience with these things?
1: Uh, not great. Uh, I, uh, I, did, I got addicted to them when I was about 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for four years, I, over the period of about four years, I lost about 20,000 mm-hmm. uh, pounds. Got addicted very quickly. Yeah, She's now uh, a month's rent. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: what is it about them that makes them so
1: addictive? Uh, well, I think it's I think it's a combination of factors like the accessibility, uh-huh. the speed of play, mm-hmm. so you can bet every twenty yeah, seconds. I was
3: gonna say I heard you sort of mention that betting intervals because with horse racing you can bet every fifteen minutes. Yeah, that's
1: right. But with an FOBT mm-hmm. you can bet much more frequently. Yeah, like literally every twenty mm-hmm. seconds, re- repeat bet, go again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the nature of roulette is it will give you the early wins. Yeah. So the the, the wins are what draw you back because, mm-hmm. you know, it is there is an element of, uh, you know, rationality to it in the sense that you think you can win it back or you think you can win next time. Uh, but in the long run, obviously, there's a house edge, so you're always mm-hmm. going to lose. Of course. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Full, full disclosure, I gamble sometimes, but it's mostly player versus player poker, yeah. but sometimes other things. But mostly having a career as a comedian. That's <laughs> oh, that's the biggest gamble I've ever... Yeah, and the absolutely. house edge is massive. <laughs> oh, that, the, it's a, a huge green zero on that roulette board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking absolutely massive. The house Half edge of is the circle of is just a green zero <laughs> of a frowning audience
3: member in a regional pub. If there are any silver linings in the FOBT story... Um, I noticed that there has been some legislation on them recently,
1: uh, or there, there will be. There, yes, there is a review, and yeah. the government are due to respond to that in this month, mm-hmm. end of this month, uh, and that will re- make some recommendations on the, the stake. So they're okay. going to reduce it. Uh, they just don't know what, to what yet. Hopefully, <laughs> we're, we're campaigning for two pounds. I don't see why nice. it should be anything more than two pound every, you know, every spin. That's like most, because more, more than most people can afford.
3: I um, mm. I don't want to spoil anything, but we are um, we might read an article whose uh, main justification of FOBTs is oh they're just a bit of
0: fun and it's not expensive. The the it's that always that battle, isn't it, with an addictive substance where gambling has always seemed to me a lot like booze. Yeah. In the sense that, oh, people say oh prohibition doesn't work for things, and you go well it can work very well. For example, if you're in the UK, it can work very well for say something like. Cocaine, which has to come from far away in a tropical climate where the plant grows, but gambling and booze are two things that you can summon up out of fucking nowhere. Mm. You can make booze out of socks, <laughs> like it's not hard <laughs> to ferment things. Like, and people <laughs> that is do. Always like managed man has. who's tried. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's true. And so, like prohibition in America was like, well, I've got some fruit from the supermarket, so I can have brandy in like a mm-hmm. month. And gambling is the same in the sense that. If you make it illegal in the same way as if you make booze illegal, you just get a lot of very creative, very violent, unsavory types finding ways around it, um, especially mm. with regard to the uh, savory and deeply uh, wonderful world of horse racing <laughs> bomb, dog racing. So, that's precisely it. I mean, and, and there is, you know, pr- prohibition doesn't work for that reason. Yeah. But
1: if you're going to make something, legitimize something, then it makes sense to then regulate it properly. Yes, yes, absolutely. Which is where yeah. the gambling legislation well, the, is. In,
0: in the same way that it's like you shouldn't be able to go and buy ethanol. No. It's like the purest form of (laughs) booze in a huge jug that you can just have and have a good time in the park.
3: Especially in terms of regulating gambling. The the format of FOBTs quite lends itself to regulation because it's fixed. If the government could force them to be fair or force a lower stake, they could know this is essentially a tax largely on poor people. Mm. Then they could essentially
1: implement a Progressive policy quite easily. Look, the, the, the machines generate 1.8 billion pounds a year mm-hmm. uh, gross gambling yield, and of that, about God,
3: that's more than that mayonnaise startup
1: was valued <laughs> at. Yeah. Yeah, they generate year. one in a third mayonnaise startups a year, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the government takes about 25 percent of that. Mm-hmm. But you have to think that if the money was spent elsewhere, it would mm-hmm. create more jobs, probably generate more revenue. You know, well, and also
2: if you're in really vanished. deprived areas, how much of that money is money being paid out by the government in yeah. various benefits and subsidies anyway?
3: And that exactly right. anything being paid back to the government has its take
2: from the owners of the gambling businesses anyway. I mean, well, the, the thing I find interesting about this mm-hmm. is that like... it. It's an interesting one, gambling, in that Mm -hmm. um, with stuff like booze and drugs, you can kind of educate people about... Like, if you're talking just about stuff that might might or might not be addictive, Uh right? Um, You can educate people about, like, the basic... Because it's more like a fact-based... Like, okay, if you drink alcohol, this is what happens, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Whereas, like... Even most really smart people are really bad at reasoning with probability. Just mm-hmm. people are incredibly bad at it. Like, there's only, like, a few st- statisticians in the country who are actually good at understanding this shit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's impossible to really educate people other than, like, you're being fucked. Yeah. You can't understand, like, the people making the law can't really understand the details of how you're being fucked, but that mm. is how it's working.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the whole responsible gambling thing feeds into that. Because... Yeah that that whole narrative just places all of the uh emphasis on the individual gambler rather than the products that are being offered and if you're then it then you have to then you get into t- terrain like oh well is there even such a thing as responsible gambling isn't all gambling
2: fundamentally
3: just-
1: irresponsible as you
3: said you are getting fucked
2: but that's the
1: but
3: that is ultimately
2: like so like for example there's like i'd made to university like know a shitload about football and they used to make a lot of money betting on football because not because they know a lot about probability but just because they're good at predicting the Mm -hmm.
3: outcomes of football matches there's a fundamental difference between knowing a lot about football and using that to your advantage and doing something where there is you're playing odds that are against you fixed odds that are against you yeah yeah but designed to keep you doing it designed to give you just enough because ultimately, if your take is going to be fifty-one percent, but you give away point five of a percent to winnings, your take is still fifty-point-five yeah. percent. You're still profitable, and but with that, f- with giving away that point five, you can have a smaller percentage of a much larger number.
1: Yeah, that's um, exactly right, and that's what, that's the distinction between betting and game mm-hmm. betting. You can, mm-hmm. in theory, win in the long run. Yeah, yeah, you can't on roulette. Yeah, no. it's literally impossible. Yeah, I, I, I used to have
3: my old uh, my old flat. Uh, used to be um, on this muse beside Tottenham Court Road, right? And uh, if we were going out drinking quite late, um, there were only two places <laughs> the lads more, right? with the lads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because we're legends. Um, the only two places that were still open were um, the Spearman Rhino, notable strip club, and so Gala the Casino. Are really stacked against you there, Gala it? Casino, notable casino. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I remember I used to go in. And I used to just which see on uh, Titan court. yeah. <laughs> not spirit Run. <laughs> fucking hell, man. <laughs> Look, I'm an idiot. I'm not a sucker. I don't know which one that means I went in.
2: <laughs> I really believe really that Matt has chosen to lower the tone here, which I feel has really opened the floodgates.
3: <laughs> yeah, that, um, that really, re- usually one of us will, you usually will lower the tone. Usually me. But regardless, I I just remember going in there and seeing people hunched over in large coats just desultorily putting money on the table.
2: Which was being picked up by women who were scantily clad. Not Uh, even. (laughs) (laughs) It's two different different establishments, Milo. Your joke is not going to work here. Yeah, I mean, at least in beam Spearman Rhino, you you know. There's no no unclarity there about exactly how you're wasting your money. So Um, anyone know the uh,
3: little publication, The Spectator? Oh, I've uh, I've heard of it.
0: I was on their podcast. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Johnson's they have uh, first of all, they have a their podcast isn't just a morse code yeah. telegram. It's an ear trumpet.
1: I said something about Douglas Murray uh on Twitter and then I got disinvited from future podcasts. <laughs> Douglas Murray's their golden boy.
2: I'm impressed that you managed to be on the podcast and not offend them enough to be disinvited <laughs> during that time.
1: I got to the second one. So, I got so to two, that's my record. Between
3: just just so our, our listeners know. Between melts and
1: slugs, what's a spectator? Well, it is a, it is a slug. In it's that a bit sluggy. If we're looking at looking at like that, yeah, Boris Johnson actually, I think, he used to edit the Spectator. I'm not oh, good, mistaken. he did. Yeah, that's true.
3: So it's basically slug. Yep. It is. This is the sluggiest podcast, a podcast, a podcast, and uh, publication. It's a podcast that will eat your hostess. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but if you if you salt it enough, I hear that it just vanishes. Mm. Um everybody ready to um for me to read a little bit of an article from the spectator and maybe sprinkle just just a just a touch just a touch of salt for flavor on this particular uh, slug
1: perfect yeah
3: this article is called in praise of the fixed odds betting terminal amazing
1: of all the things to be in praise <laughs> oh, yeah. oh god yeah. isn't, isn't that kipling that <laughs> really
3: scraping the barrel this is like it's the same people who are the ones who say, well, actually, the British Empire did a lot of good for Africa. The charge gonna... of the shite brigade. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish we were recording the trailer for <laughs> them. shite man's bird. A hundred Mackenzie tracksuits <laughs> gleaming. Um, the subtitle of the article is The Moral Crusaders Have Gambling in Their Sights, But If FOBTs Go, Racing's Income Stream Will Shrink. Amazing. That oh
1: is... My... God, guys. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but for, for, can i just say quickly you know the there was a moral crusade against mm. gambling in the 50s and the 60s and the mm. opposition to gambling was based on the kind of christian methodism yeah
0: you know. Yeah.
1: but now we know that gambling is as addictive as drugs so yeah. therefore it is kind of a public health opposition yeah it's a science-based opposition so, not when in, is it that it's immoral But what I found funny about that
2: actually was that like calling it a moral crusade is like, they're trying to make that a pejorative term when in fact, like it is kind of a moral crusade in a way because it's like saying, well, the way in which these companies are stealing money from poor people by deceiving them is kind of immoral. (laughs) And so like all moral crusades are about like, God, these bloody American soldiers on a moral crusade to liberate the death camps.
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) Isn't it interesting though, that moral crusade uh, used to be the sort of thing that people like us would throw at a mm-hmm. sort of Mary White House or whatever and like a moral crusade to bring back longer skirts and things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. But now over time, and like free speech as well as a kind uh, of political argument, they've just swapped sides. And well, now they're sort of being thrown back. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's like a sort of weird pendulum thing happening. It, in, it, it, in effect, sort of the, the modern left is
3: almost in one of the most disadvantageous positions possible because we've won every cultural battle that we've ever been presented with, we've won or are winning.
2: VHS versus Betamax. That's right. <laughs> That's where it all I don't care
0: if it's better picture quality. So
2: what happens ultimately? I had enough Saracens to ensure that VHS was the. <laughs> what happens
3: the <laughs> winning ultimately ball-man. is that the right still maintains political and economic power. Yeah. But no one respects them. They're completely laughable, and so from this position of control, from this position of power. They claim this sort of victimization that there are moral crusades against them, that of their freedom, of their just generally living their best life, owning a uh, shop that uh, you know using some videos uh, takes uh, benefits money from poor people, Um, and that it's somehow oppressive. And so, but ultimately, it's this it's this sort of false weakness that's designed to sort of elicit pity Mm. from people who are ultimately red-faced centrist dads.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's a victim well, complex. Yeah. Well, what kind of... Well, I, you know, let's not get into the whole, what do you mean by centrist debate? Because okay,
3: Centrist dad is, um, for anyone who hasn't been on Twitter recently... <laughs> I've seen it popping up a lot,
0: but no one's been able to define it. Uh, oh, so, I just well, never met anyone who have, has a
2: centrist dad. Dads tend to be right-wing, in my experience. Yeah.
0: Like, it, That's the joke, isn't it? Like You either have loads of m- suburban right-wing dads or the one crazy guys, hippie, hippie you, dad, You, right? you guys yeah. are making yourselves look stupid right now because
3: we actually have one of the main uh, coiners of... Uh, leftist quote-unquote slurs against yeah. the center and right <laughs> with uh, us uh,
1: early adopter certainly I don't think <laughs> yeah. I coined it quite but um yeah I mean look there, there is a, a generation of middle-aged men uh who grew up uh you know in the new labor era they were t- they were you know they, they they were old enough to sort of witness or um be around for when the the, the Berlin Wall fell down, mm. and and you know the end of communism and the end of history and Fukuyama, and then yeah, there was a kind of general consensus about how you win an election, and mm-hmm. it's you know you have to try and win over Tory voters, and you can only win elections from the centre and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Anyway, they did quite well out of the status quo, They did quite well out of that type of politics, and now they're property owning middle management, you know, done quite well out of them, out of the, the, the system, mm-hmm. and they can't understand why all these kids don't get it, don't get it, that you actually win elections from the center and you actually our way of doing things is the best. And why don't you just do things like we did? And yeah. it's a kind of like, they just, I don't know, they don't understand why, why young people are turning to, some, to an alternative, to something different. And that kind of aggression that you see on Twitter from these yeah. people is a reaction to that.
3: And their most favorite word is actually. Yeah, we're going to say well, that, something that, that, like, well, that's, yeah. that's the internet's favorite word. <laughs> Let's be clear. These guys <laughs> these guys also at some point either they wear a lot of blush or they had a significant amount of sort of, you know, alcohol related issues in the sort of late 90s because there is not a single more red-faced group of people. But
0: see, this is my this is my question because I've seen the term pop up, but then mm-hmm. I've just seen people taking the same picture that used to be for sort of fascist Brexiteers mm-hmm. of all those red-faced men from Question Time. Mm. And they're going, oh, actually, they're also centrist dads. And you go, well, no, because pick one. I've got quite a good thread of them. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm sure
2: they... I think it's one of those groups of people, I'm just theorizing, that like they definitely exist, and they exist probably prominently, but I'm not sure how... like that There are a lot of them in the in the day-to-day life of the average
0: person. Oh, there are quite uh, a few. In, in, in my, in so my mentions, honestly, I, I have... Oh, yeah, but I mean... Yeah. But I mean, you are the <laughs> kind you, of person
2: that would bring them out to play. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: that, that's, that's like some people could say, like, well, I, I'm assuming that every fourth person in this yeah. restaurant is an anime-wanking-porn Nazi. <laughs> you go, well, no, Twitter... It's not a well, it's like, technically yeah. fully representative like, of the population. Uh,
3: he, Richard Branson, I think, is the ultimate centrist dad. Yes, he uh, is the classic your dad, the billionaire. He, he's someone who <laughs> he's someone who believed he's earned his balloon ride, and that you know, if the working class didn't want to, you know, get um, killed by him dropping small uh, lead weights off of his balloon, that they should have worked <laughs> a little harder. And no, he's so. he's not racist or anything. No, obviously, but. You know, I mean, it's if some people have to starve and use food banks, like, look, that's the price of winning elections.
2: Richard Branson I, I mean, has said a that fucking it, mad career. Like, well, yeah. what would I advise the young man today? Well, of course, what you need to do is start a massive empire where you sell both <laughs> uh, CDs and also perplexingly own an airline <laughs> 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 and, a, and a network of gyms. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all named after someone who's never had sex. <laughs> like it's of, all very uh, Catholic. Like Guys, and you and you're um, kind of EasyJet, but called Pope Francis. <laughs>
3: you know what we've been really distracted from is uh, this Spectator article. <laughs> so the Spectator article, in praise of Fixed Odds betting terminals, it opens with the following sentence. Let's see if you can guess where it's going from the first sentence. Okay. Racing is an expensive sport to stage.
2: <laughs> okay. To stage. So not even I mean, to like make it happen, but to fake it. Well, so it's like the moon <laughs> landing. Courses, <laughs> courses and <laughs>
3: grandstands like, have to be maintained. Health yeah. and safety regulations have to be observed. Human and horse ambulances have to the be provided, etc. goddamn et cetera, European et union. <laughs> It's expensive to put on horse races. I
2: mean, I don't disagree. Uh-huh. But it Today, sound, those subjects wouldn't even have died. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real tragedy. <laughs> Possible spectator sub-headlines. If we value horse racing. There's a, there's a lot of heavy lifting being done on that if.
3: <laughs> I, if I, guess, I guess you. Yeah. We value horse racing, and that horse racing is like a weird CrossFit guy shouting a bar up above his head. Horses are the original CrossFit. Yeah. Then maybe gambling shops' dependence on FOBTs isn't that bad.
2: Wait, what's the logic here? Because who's more than um, poor people? (laughs) Horses. You ever met a horse with money? No. (laughs) Matt,
0: I've never never met a horse without staying
2: rich. (laughs) 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 Matt, you
1: want to hop in on this one? This is the the last throw of the dice for the bookmakers, right? Is they're trying to say that, please save our machines. Don't do anything to the fob tees because you'll kill racing. But actually, the money that's lost in the machines doesn't go towards the levy, the horse Mm -hmm. racing levy. That is uh, the money that's bet on racing that goes towards that levy. So mm. this is a complete non sequitur. It's, it's not analogous. But what is the point. levy? Or was the this already le- discussed? The levy is, is, what, is what the bookies pay to, to keep horse racing going. But
0: oh the, god, the, I didn't even know that. Was, so it's like a tax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because uh, they have to subscribe to the <laughs> broadcast. That's, so right, that's basically. It. And but, okay. but, it's, but
1: it's only the over the counter betting that goes towards that. Okay. Rather I see. than the money that goes into the machines. But what they're saying is if you reduce the stake on the machines, the number of shops will close, racing sure. will suffer. But actually what's happened is these machines now account for 60% of the profits in the betting shop. Sure. So you're taking money away from racing. But anyway, mm-hmm. this whole thing is predicated on the idea that everyone really cares about racing, which I think is probably not that many people. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, the thing. it's
3: essentially what owns about the spectators campaign is that they're saying we need to allow the most incredibly regressive form of gambling in order to subsidize uh, like recruitment
1: consultants going and getting drunk at Ascot in big hats. Yeah, it's it's the sport of kings subsidized Uh by the most (laughs) the poorest people in the also, country. Also, the idea Britain.
2: that it's the sport of kings is so jokes now. It's <laughs> like, Ascot is entirely full of, like, well, idiot only-way-is-essex people mm. that I went to school with like, <laughs> well, vomiting in a bush, yeah. going like, I'm with the fucking queen! <laughs> well, let's be clear. Yeah. It's the sport of Middle Eastern kings. That's undeniable.
3: That's uh, true. Yes. The, the, the article goes on to say, now, no rational racing fan would fail to acknowledge that gambling addictions sometimes... Afflict those least able to afford a loss. I
1: hate, I hate to do the stato thing, but it, you just have to look at the last health survey. Like forty-three percent of FOBT players are either problem or at-risk gamblers. So, like, it is a significant proportion mm-hmm. of the. Anyway, sorry.
0: Well,
2: because this is all. It seems
1: so like check so.
0: So this essentially, to use that analogy from earlier, would you say that that means that the FOBTs are? art to gambling what uh crack well it's I, the drugs oh no I, well, yeah or mm. like i was going to yeah. say like in terms of the booze analogy from earlier and that it's yeah. not illegal but if you buy uh tesco value vodka you're not uh a socialite having a party. Yeah, think, yeah. yeah. If quite, you know, like quite. betting this, on this, the
2: Grand National is like rose. This is like you know drinking meth. Because yeah, this is
0: white lightning. Yeah. So there's some yeah. types because like in the same sense yeah. that there's sometimes a gambling. That white is, lightning coming up from the rear. <laughs> <laughs> in the same sense, so that there's some types of gambling that are very heavily problematic. Like these, was it forty? Forty-three percent. Forty-three percent. So then, yeah, you could argue maybe forty-three percent of people who buy white lightning. I shouldn't be buying any booze. Well, it's like yeah. and it's obvious it must be just the trigger
2: effect of the gaming that keeps people doing it on the basis that like there's nothing entertaining about it. Like mm. you're literally just putting money into a machine. Oh no, Same like oh. I think red no, no. and then maybe getting more or less money out. But well, it's no, the adrenaline
0: no. the it's the adrenaline. Much, it's the adrenaline, it? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the moment that's what's addictive, it's the moment before you know if you've lost or not. That's right. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a pure but, pure hope. But it's like it's derived
2: it's derived from that that just suspense created by the randomness of being given. Whereas at least if you're like betting on a horse race, you like you pick a horse, right? I think that one. Then you watch the race and there's like, a you know, there's more of an experience. I'm sure there are problem gamblers with that as well, but there's like, I can see people doing that just recreationally in a way that I can't
3: with like this. One one of the huge issues is (laughs) that also the the bookie doesn't control the odds of the race. Their own odds may reflect what they think are their best guess odds of the race. Now,
2: what if this uh, horse (laughs) would have a little uh, (laughs) accident? (laughs) But
3: in this case, the bookies actually control the odds of the game which, again, A, metaphor for late-stage capitalism, but B, I want to read you guys what the the spectator thinks about the possible regulation of FOBTs. And, again, you're not going to want to let me do this, but please let me get to the end of this sentence before you start shouting. If a government, desperate for diversions, decides to heed the baying social media mob and wrecks the FOBT business with new restrictions then the high street betting shops will close, jobs will be lost, and racing's income stream will shrink. Jobs in a bad industry are gonna be lost.
2: The year is 2042. (laughs) FOBT machines have now been destroyed for the past 10 years. Dogs roam the streets. (laughs) Men with jaundiced eyes look upon you and say, have you seen a virtual horse race? (laughs) You say, no, no one's seen one in years
0: now. I don't remember the name. Dogs roam the streets very quickly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> out, people, of, out of
0: work is racing.
2: <laughs> people bet people on, on the outcomes of the dogs running on the street using
0: out, out, outdated tinned food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange. That's such a weird. I mean, it's a very. Uh, I would imagine the readership of The Spectator is very concerned about the health of horse racing. (laughs) Um, But it's a very Mm. odd line of argument to to make. You know Paddy Power came out and said, Paddy Power, the CEO, said uh,
1: if you reduce the stake, I think they said the government should reduce the maximum stake, and if it was to £2, we wouldn't object, and we wouldn't shut any shops. So it's only the... Really? Yeah, it's the big... Mm. Because to be fair, Paddy Power has been around since 2007, so they've targeted their shops quite well. But it's a big corporate... And to be honest... The average person says, Oh, betting shops will close. They go, Good, it's too yeah, many. Fine, awesome. It's, it's, it's the same rationale.
3: we have to
2: walk three miles to the daily betting shop. It's the same rationale where a lot of people say, Oh, well,
3: if you increase taxes on the wealthy, then what if all the big capitalists leave? It's like, OK, can they sooner? <laughs> These well, mass- <laughs> that's,
0: that's not quite analogous.
2: But, I, know, yeah. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. These Maasai <mass-hire> women walk <laughs> go, six miles every day in go, the blistering heat to gather a basket of virtual horse racing to bring <laughs> oh, back sorry. to feed their
0: children. In, ter- in terms of capital flight, mm-hmm. don't try and make that argument in Singapore, will you, Riley? <laughs> or they would genuinely be very concerned. Well, fortunately,
3: I don't live in Singapore. Uh, I live somewhere where maybe soon... Uh, Well, actually, I was going to say maybe soon the absolute boy can become prime minister, but I just
1: checked. Um, Who's currently prime minister? Uh, uh, Allegedly, it's Theresa May. She actually
2: denies it. (laughs) There are rumors
1: rumors viciously circulating that Jeremy Corbyn is actually the prime minister. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn is prime minister? Due to the fact that the agenda is entirely set by Jeremy Corbyn, the Tories respond to Jeremy Corbyn, and it looks like I wasn't aware there was an agenda.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought the agenda was, ah, fuck! <laughs> yeah. Everything's on fire. <laughs> yeah. Who has the most piss? Like, should fire? we put
2: out this fire? No, first of all, we need to tell everyone to learn to love the fire. The fire <laughs> is fine. The fire will help.
0: What does the fire think? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's, like, it's amazing what happened at Tory conference. They were just all totally oh, yeah. reactive to... God, it owned. It owned so hard. <laughs> to us. Just, they are having an, an existential crisis, I think. There's no one... There's no members... No one in the hall. Well, the the their average age of their members is 71. Guys, well, do, do, you, do you know yeah. how you make charcoal? Yes. You burn away
3: all of the sort of impurities and non-carbon bits of wood yes. and you're left with pure carbon and it burns yeah. hotter.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, you'd be first yeah. against the wall, Riley. i uh, would not be
3: first well, against the wall? I'd be in the vanguard, Pierre.
0: You'd be, v- well, no, you'd be like second wave against the wall where it's like, well, no. he was intellectual enough to help us convince people and now it's time you for to You were being go. shot by the NKVD I think, at Stalingrad for being oh, like, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I fucking think, A.
3: I, I think, honestly, I think I'm a trot. I think I'd be killed by an ice pick in Mexico later, but damn,
2: wouldn't I not have good intentions? <laughs> that armored train of yours. Right. To people watching us through the window, this must look very odd. <laughs> I don't think anyone's watching us. You held a hand up for silence, then put the hand down and then just looked at me as
0: though as though mm. I should know what to do. It would be less weird to someone through the window if we were nude. Because <laughs> then they could at least go, oh, it's a sex thing.
3: So I think having thoroughly salted the slugs at the spectator yeah, and having completely discredited their entire ideology, which is like, you know, regressive and nonsense and might get, I don't know, three people in the Cotswolds and a red-faced Labrador to vote for it. What mm-hmm. say we talk about our show's favorite listener?
2: Oh, Mr. Stephen of Seagull. Uh, like, obviously, we're, you know, the Stephen Seagull facts, as they, as they come in, they're, uh-huh. they're getting harder to find. I'm having to get more creative. But I like this section of the Wikipedia page. Okay, um, help me out here. Right. So, while in Japan, uh, Seagull married his first wife, Miyako Fujitani, the daughter of an Aikido instructor. With Fujitani, he had a son, actor and model Kentaro Seagull, which is... (laughs) Those two (laughs) names should never be together. And a daughter, writer and actress, Ayako Fujitani. Interesting how... Right, fine. Um, Seagull left Miyako to move back to the United States. During this time, he met actress and model Kelly LeBrock, with whom he began an affair that led to Fujitani granting him a divorce. This sounds like Steven Seagal was being held captive by a Japanese woman. <laughs> Until eventually, upon, upon meeting a stronger opponent, a sort of alpha woman in Kelly LeBrock, decided to relinquish him. Oh, I know what Steven Seagal is. Steven Seagal is the
3: belt in WWE. That's literally who Steven Seagal is. He is the prize.
2: What a terrible prize. <laughs> like
3: just George Foreman chunk, just want the belt? Chunky, <laughs> chunky, shiny. Chunky, shiny, never fights without getting up out of a chair.
0: Always adjacent mm. to great physical feats, so, never so, performing. Uh, yes, <laughs> Matt, Matt, are you familiar with Steven Seagal?
1: Not really, no. Oh my God, I love
3: every time I get to explain this. Regular mm. listeners of the podcast might turn it off now, but fuck it. Yeah. Steven Seagal was a, well is still, an American action movie star that started making films in like the late 80s, 90s, this kind of thing. Personal
2: friend of Vladimir Putin, Person- trainer to the Serbian Special Forces. All of that is literally <laughs> true. So there's, there's a, a lot more about the Serbian Steve. Special Forces than well, Steven Seagal. That's the thing.
3: It's, he's in two kinds of films. He was in films like Under Siege, for example, that are considered to be classic action films, but like, mm-hmm. you know, cops, disarm and demobilize the cops. But still. Um, the dang cops. But then, more recently, as he's become genuinely obese um, and also just crazier. He's in lower and lower budget, more and more set in Romania films where most of what he does is do fake Aikido from an office chair but with really epic music and quick cuts over it. So essentially but he also believes he is the world's most dangerous person and occasionally makes media statements to this effect. He was hired by the Russian and Serbian special forces to teach their police how to beat people up. But again, most of his fighting is done from
2: an office chair against people who do a backflip when he touches their wrist. Do you think Steven Seagull is secretly a massive leftist agitator and he's effectively teaching the Russian right police bad tactics for beating up protesters? So they suddenly find themselves, what, we're sitting and lightly touching
0: them on the wrist, but they're not backflipping away. They just keep, <laughs> <laughs> we've got nothing. Do you, I, I, would love, I would love for there to be an enormous... Uh, hashtag woke blog Attacking you for fat shaming Steven Seagal That is my new dream <laughs> That is all I want now um, well, <laughs> I'm going to say To any
3: listener that makes A hashtag woke Steven Seagal blog Attacking me for fat shaming Steven Seagal <laughs> We will just have you on an episode If you do that In fairness yeah But I think from the Trash Future family To your family it Might be time to say Auf Wiedersehen bebe
2: uh, right yes
0: Good. Good. I don't know is that a Seagal quote no it's a German quote oh no, fair right. enough thanks a lot goodbye goodbye <laughs> thanks everyone